We're all human beings. We all require the same things. Clean water, quality food, enough sleep, and like we're talking about today, meaningful connection and support and feeling like we belong. These are critical ingredients. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Hey, hey, welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. In this episode, I'm giving you the f- grand finale of the series that I've provided for you for free here, which is actually an ebook that you can get on my website called The Foundations in Fitness Fat Loss Guide, the 10 key components of holistic fitness and fat loss. These are the top 10 must do, must have, must d- include in your life things that you must do have include that I have come across in my 30 years of experience in the field of health and holistic fitness. So I put them together in a convenient, cute little ebook for you. And you can just refer to that whenever you are wondering why the heck you are not getting the results that you're wanting. Revisit that and I guarantee you there's going to be at least one or two of those things that, oops, you forgot about or get out, got out of the habit of including in your life. So it's a great little go-to guide and uh, that's available on my website, but I'm giving it to you for free here on my podcast because that's just how I am, because I think it's that important that I just want the information to get out there because I'm all about helping us be our best and feel our best and have the life that we want so we can be part of the love and the light and the answer to the world. Uh, okay, so this is the last one. This is episode, uh, the last episode, which is number 10 of the list of the top 10, and it's on meaningful social connections, support, intimacy, and purpose, and how critical these components are in our lives. In fact, I feel like they are an ingredient of your life. They're like medicine in your life. They are required. You know, so often people, when they think about being healthy and fit, they think about going to the gym or going running or eating salads and drinking water and all that. And yes, yes, absolutely. Those are important. You know, I say they're important. They're included in the content of a lot of my shows, but they're not the only important ingredients. And we are actually learning more and more how very important the emotional mental fitness and thoughts we think and our environment, which includes having social connection and heartfelt support and intimacy in our lives are critical. And what I'm going to talk to you about in today's episode is how research is even showing now. We have the scientific hard data to show us the correlations between not only physical disease and lack of well-being, but uh, behaviors that are detrimental to our physical disease uh, uh, ease. When we don't have these needs, needs met of being emotionally connected and having meaning and purpose in our lives, we can start engaging in behaviors that are just not good for us in other physical health ways. I hope that made sense, but it's super powerful, very, very important. And I am really thrilled to share this information with you because I know it's going to have a powerful effect on the quality of your life. And that's what this show is all about. Speaking of that, before we do, I have to give a huge shout out to MT Janito. Oh my gosh, thank you, my love. Thank you for leaving a five-star review on Apple iTunes. The reviews are so critical because they will help me share the show with more people so it gets out there more and which will eventually help me to monetize the show, which will help me to ultimately keep it going. (laughs) Okay. Cause that's my dream come true. So if you're getting value, I so, so appreciate you taking a moment just to give me a quick review. And it just means so much that I'm actually helping people that definitely 
keeps me going. So MT Janito says, Amy's passion to feel healthy and happy is contagious. Spending time with her and having her influence has always been a huge impact in the views I have and the ways I live and love. Her knowledge is so valuable. I never walk away from an Amy class or talk without something I can bring to myself to get me to the life I want to live and love. Woo! Yeah! Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for that amazing review. Again, it just means the world to me. All right, let's now get to today's episode. Having in- meaningful social connections, support, intimacy, and purpose. Did you know the average person checks their phone about every six minutes. And that's just average, okay? I mean, I swear that number's probably going up as we speak. I I mean, people are just glued to those things, aren't they? One of the main reasons why people do this and feel compelled, not only because the manufacturers make them actually addictive, which is another issue in another episode, but because as human beings, we have an ingrained need to feel connected to other human beings. We're social creatures and we evolved for millions of years with a tribe. It's actually in our DNA to have that connection with other people. It's a requirement for us to feel safe, but it wasn't a requirement. Our bodies developed in the DNA structure to learn that it was a requirement because it was the only way that allowed us to survive. We needed other people to do all the things that life needs to have done. I mean, just think about your modern fancy life right now, right? Do you know how to do everything that is involved in you living your life? Like for example, if your toilet broke, would you know how to fix it? Uh, Would you know how to grow your own food? Would you know how to uh, get running water and, and, and purify water so you don't get a disease or an illness and you can actually drink water? Do you know how to make your own clothes? I mean, raise your own children, whatever. Just pick something, right? When you really think about it, it makes sense, not only for our modern ancestors, but also in today's world that we need other people. We just do. There's no way around it. Even if you love being a hermit and you're maybe more of like an introvert, fine, but you still need other human beings. So this requirement is actually wired in our DNA and therefore it's a huge driver of our behavior and um, really affects the way we live our lives. The problem is our modern culture is actually having more and more replacements of the in-life connections, the personal connections with artificial ones, with technology. And this is where the trouble begins. Now, look, I'm not an anti-technology person. In fact, I wouldn't be with you today right now if we didn't have technology. Okay. The key is we have to learn the limits. We have to learn how it's affecting our lives in good and bad ways. So then we can make appropriate changes and decisions and put in boundaries that help protect us so we continue to live the lives we want, we feel the way we want. Take a look at all the other episodes I've done or just do a quick internet search or some other shows and see the effect of technology having on you. I've done at least two, if not three shows now on, for example, the effect of the electromagnetic rays on not only our sleep, our moods, our fertility, weight gain, um, all that stuff, um, for example. So that's just the effect of technology. So just to be aware and then how to know how to adjust your behavior is very, very powerful. So technology is not bad. I just wanted to set that out there. The problem comes in is when we don't have adequate personal heart-to-heart connections with people, okay? Again, another example is when the, when the lockdown happened with the pandemic back in, what was it, 2020, you know, everybody had to quote unquote socially isolate and distance. So we all went to Zoom and digital means of connecting with other people. And thank God for that, right? Thank God we could actually see another human face and, you know, connect on birthdays or whatever. We continue to run our businesses with office meetings and whatnot online. That's all beautiful, but 
there is absolutely no replacing being physically in the human presence of another being. We have energy fields that emit and receive off of our bodies. And some research has shown it can be as far as five, six, seven, eight feet. And that depends actually on how high your personal life force, your personal vibration is. It is That will determine how far your fields expand. Our heart, in fact, has the largest bioelectric field in the whole body. It has more than your brain. Actually, like 10 times more than your brain. So we're constantly emitting and receiving these, this, all this little minute information, communication with the world around us. That is what has enabled the human race to continue. Okay, so a lot of these things are imperceptible to our normal five senses, smell, hearing, taste, sound, etc. But a lot of them aren't. And the ones that we even do perceive, like our vision, are extremely powerful because they've evolved that way. We can perceive threats by someone's facial expression, for example, by the way that they um, use their mouth, the relaxation energy of their body. Does their body feel tense? Does their body feel calm? All of these things can communicate to us directly or indirectly if we are safe in their presence. And we all know how we feel when we're around certain people that just make you feel good, right? You just like being around that person. And we say, what? They have, quote, good energy, right? They have good energy. Or you know when someone's mad or someone just had a fight with somebody or someone's overwhelmed or feeling anxious or they're super hyper, right? Children know, animals know, as many times that my little Charlotte will like run out of the room (laughs) when I'm yelling at my computer because something won't work or whatever. I'm running around being, you know, overwhelmed, which seemed to to have been my go-to energy over the last few years, even though I wasn't aware of it. But now I'm glad I am because I can correct it and be like, nope, that's the old me. I'm no longer overwhelmed. I now choose (sighs) to breathe make a choice to just do one thing at a time, relax, remember I'm safe, everything is working out, and I don't have to be that way anymore. But I digress. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a, a practical uh, example of how I apply that. But my point is, is that animals and children are masters at feeling energy and they're masters at mirroring back to you a lot of times, whether you want to admit it or not. I know that can be hard to say or to to accept, but it, it is true because they don't have that filter. You know, they're more raw, they're more real. They don't care if they're going to hurt your feelings that they're, you know, mirroring this to you, right? They just feel what they feel and do what they do, and and they're selfish, and they're there are you know it's not even the right word. It's not selfish. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but they're self-preserving. They honor their own needs, and they don't put a filter in between their needs and your needs. And yes, of course, sometimes that's not a good thing because they're driving you crazy. They want you to read twenty books for them and give them ice cream all the time, and <laughs> and that's just because that's what they want. Doesn't mean it's necessarily right, but they still will speak their needs regardless of what they think you need or want. And that can be a good thing. So we can take tips from that too. So being physically in someone's presence is critical for us to be able to allow these ancient biological clues in our body to service us as they are there to do, to protect us, to give us information that we therefore can make accurate decisions. And when the communication or connection is digital or virtual or removed in some regard, we lose all of that ability. Okay. So although technology can make our fast paced lives easier in many ways, it's just not an adequate substitute for real life in-person relationships, right? Because life is all about relationships. We need to actually be together in actual physical proximity in order to then fulfill our deeply ingrained needs for connection of being seen, of being heard, of being accepted for who we are, and then being valued by others. These are critical components for health and happiness. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, they're critical ingredients for 
your mental fitness and your feelings of uh, just happiness, just overall happiness. Okay, so friends are like a new ingredient I want you to think about. And your tribe is just required to feel like you fit in and are accepted for who you are without having to change to make other people happy. That's critical. I know it's hard to find, but if you haven't found it yet, keep looking, okay? Keep looking. And when you find someone that makes you feel that way, hold on to them tight because it's, it's hard to find, isn't it? So don't get me wrong, technology can certainly be great and function as the occasional substitute. Like I mentioned, it's not a bad thing. But in the flesh, personal contact, when for whatever reason, the real thing can't be experienced like a pandemic or any of these uh, mandates, please just keep in mind that it's, it's, it's just that. It's a substitute and your brain and soul will know the difference, okay? It's not equal. They're not apples and apples. They're apples and oranges. <laughs> not quite the same thing. So better than nothing, but not going to fulfill your heart's need. Okay. Your primal needs. Nonverbal communication, small gestures, tiny vocal inf inflections. And like I mentioned, most of all the person's energy and how you feel when you're actually near them is something that cannot be experienced through a computer or a phone or a lens or any kind of barrier otherwise. We lose that element when the contact is virtual. So our brains and our hearts are actually quite literally wired for connection. But FaceTime, Zoom, and computers are the wrong food to feed that hunger. That's the sad truth. So I also wanted to talk to you about how there's a big difference between loneliness and feeling alone, okay? Because, because of the, some of the recent mandates and the pandemic, feelings of loneliness and the reports of that is at an all-time high. But there's a really big difference between feeling alone and loneliness, I'm sure this might be touching a nerve for you because as human beings, we all at some point have felt loneliness, like no one understands you, no one's there for you, right? And it's interesting because research shows that it's all about your subjective view of it, like how you feel. Is it self-imposed? Is it self-chosen? For example, I can be alone, as in, lonely, as in aloneness, when I go on a retreat or I need to take a vacation by myself or I want to live alone, for example, okay? But loneliness is the feeling that there's a disconnect between what you desire, meaning having connection, and what's actually happening. That's a critical, critical difference, okay? Because a lot of people think, well, I don't want to be alone. And, well, sometimes you want to be alone. And sometimes, you, let me tell you, you need to be alone, particularly if you're repeating the same patterns that are not getting you what you want, like bad relationships and all that stuff. That means it's time for some soul searching, which you can't do if you're spending the energy in a co-relationship, right? Reacting and acting and all that stuff. You need that time alone, which is critical. And you certainly aren't getting it if you're constantly logging into Instagram and all these other apps or online because you're, you're getting information from the outside. You're going external, which is affecting your internal. How are you ever going to hear that still small voice? And now everyone wants to be more intuitive and get in touch with their higher, higher knowing when you don't tune out the outside and go in and listen. And that doesn't have to be sitting in some yoga class meditating for three hours, okay? It can be just turning off the outside. For me, it's something what I've started to do because I like to walk Charlotte pretty much every day, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes. But I love going on long walks in nature and I always am learning. I've been an avid learner. I love listening to audiobooks or podcasts or whatever. And what I've started to discipline myself to do is have at least a little bit of the time, 15 minutes or so, where I just turn it all off. So I can just literally be in nature and let my brain, it's called having white noise, okay? We lack the white noise in our culture right now, which is the time 
of the disconnect for our brain to literally make the synapse connections to process the information, to take out the trash, to detoxify certain things and assimilate the new. We lack that because we're always on, right? And if we're not on, we're consuming. We're listening, we're learning. Like I said, it might be a good consumption. It's not like I'm buying 400 shoes or something, right? But where I'm inputting into my brain rather than just allowing the processing, it's like allowing the soup to marinate for a while without adding more ingredients. We lack that in our lives and it's critical to just being a human being. It's critical to our proper physical functioning of our body. Like I said, those brain synapses and detoxification, not to mention critical just for our happiness and our preventing that feeling of overwhelm, right? Preventing that feeling of my brain's going to explode. I feel totally overwhelmed. I got so much to do and blah, blah, blah. That's all stress. That's so damaging to your complete body, nervous system, brain, being, etc. Okay, so we need to have that time of aloneness is what I'm getting at from either small periods or even larger periods to really go on a soul quest, if you will, that are critical to our evolution, our souls, uh, meaning its contract, our happiness, our well-being. And there's a big difference between that aloneness and feeling alone and, and that difference is on how we subjectively view it. Is it self-imposed? Is it feeding me and making meeting my needs so I'm able to, you know, again, if you go, go hermit away for a little while, you need to write a book or you just have time maybe three times a week where you close the door of your house and you take a, a yoga class online. You have that time to just be alone. You're a busy mom. When are you ever alone? Probably never, Okay. But that's where the tough love comes in and you're being a good example for your family and your children of mommy loves herself and mommy needs mommy time too. I'm not just a mommy, I'm a Amy. I'm a person in my own right, right? And then watch how that ripples into the way you're treating your family and your and your loved ones, right? You know, they say you can't give what you don't have. So you don't want to constantly give away the feelings of stress and overwhelm and self-sacrifice. You don't want your children to have that message that you need to sacrifice yourself for others all the time. I mean, I'm all for service. Obviously, I'm doing the show for free, right? But it can't be all the time. You have to include yourself in that priority list at least some of the time, okay? And that way you're going to be a better you, just for, for in every regard. It's the face-to-face, heart-to-heart, real-time moments and experiences that we share with other people and not a piece of technology that we're really looking for when we constantly are checking our phones or mindlessly zone out on YouTube or Instagram or just log into social media automatically. These outlets don't make us feel fulfilled at the heart and spiritual level, but instead they give us the illusion of connection and our cheap impression or appearance of it. In fact, research shows a direct correlation between time on social media and feelings of isolation and depression, and we're getting more and more research on that. Sadly, feeling alone and isolated is so detrimental to our mental and emotional and physical health that experts are now considering it the new smoking. I even came across a a landmark study uh, that says that feeling alone, okay, remember, it's feeling alone, not being alone, not aloneness, but feeling alone, is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's more detrimental to you than other huge risk factors of your physical health, like heart disease and obesity and diabetes and some of these other things. How powerful is that? You see how I'm saying this is an ingredient we have to now all collectively as a society start respecting more and including more and talking about more? because it's just as important as drinking enough water and getting to bed on time and all the other things we know about being healthy, right? We must feel connected and fulfilled at the heart level. Some of the things that I suggest, uh, and I'm going to get into more at the end of the show, more specifics on how to actually feel less loneliness, okay, is 
the next time you just go to automatically look at your phone or log in or, you know, power up your computer, just stop and ask yourself, what am I really wanting and needing right now? Okay. And just see how you're feeling. See what that answer is and don't filter it. Okay. It might be, yeah, I'm feeling lonely. Or it might be that I'm bored. It might be that I'm procrastinating, right? I don't want to do that thing that I'm not looking forward to today. It might be that, uh, I don't know, you're living vicariously through others, someone else's uh, seemingly exciting life. I don't know. I can't answer that for you. But just stopping just for a split second and asking yourself, what am I really wanting and needing right now? That's very, very powerful. And, you know, health all stems from uh, accurate self-awareness. We can't help ourselves if we're not even aware of what's happening inside and being honest about what's happening inside. And just for that matter, I'll just add that it's really sad that unfortunately feeling lonely has like a social stigma to it, right? A lot of people don't want to admit it because they feel ashamed of feeling lonely. Well, I'm not going to admit it. I have felt super lonely in my life, particularly within the last few years when I closed my, my physical business where I had a holistic health club in Massachusetts and I was not in a relationship and just felt super alone after that and still working my way through that. And I'm not ashamed to say I felt that way. And I would often say that, and this is part of why I'm doing the episode here today on this, because I know all about being lonely. <laughs> I don't care what my social media or anything looks like or what pictures look like. You know, we know that, you know, our, our social media feeds are showing the high re highlight reels usually. Although if you follow me or, or you're familiar with my feeds, you'll see that I know I share the truth as well. Of course, I'm sharing the whole picture of my life. I just don't want to be completely depressing like Debbie Downer by sharing, I'm really down today. Can someone send me a hug or whatever? But I want, my goal is to help inspire you and, and help lift you up. So I'm always trying to be upbeat and positive in my messages, but I sure enough do share when I'm feeling a little bit down or, or struggling with things. Cause it's important, I think for people to see that it's not all about the highlight reel. And know how great, no matter how great someone else's life might look, they're human beings. They're, everyone has their cross to bear. I don't care if you're, you know, Beyonce or whoever you think is amazing or accomplished, right? Like, you know, Steve Jobs was or whatever. Everyone comes into this life as a soul with their soul contract and the things that they signed up to address and their heartache and their pain and their insecurities and their issues and the things they struggle with in real life, regardless of what you might think on the surface. And that's a really important message, I think, to get to the younger generation, the children who grew up with this social media smoke and mirror screen, right? Who grew up with reality TV, which is just that. It's TV, okay? It might be saying reality, but it's not. I mean, we, we know that, okay? It's about getting you to watch the show and make it interesting, which needs drama and needs, you know, the whole bells and whistles and everything. Otherwise, it's boring and you're not going to watch it, right? If anything was like, la, 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 that's so nice, ho-hum, I'm bored to death. But the younger generations often don't realize that all this stuff is not really real life. And these people have real issues and problems. And that's the way life is, right? Life includes it all. What we consider the bad as well as the good. And every single human being puts on their pants one leg at a time, if they're blessed enough to have two legs. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're, there's more that unites us than, than divides us. And that's one of my favorite things to remind myself, that no matter what our individual opinions and differences are, and external, internal beliefs, whatever they are, we're all human beings. We all require the same things. Clean water, quality food, enough sleep, and like we're talking about today, meaningful connection and support and feeling like we belong. These are critical ingredients. So 
like I said, next time you log in or whatever, maybe just stop for even a split second and ask yourself, what is it I'm really needing? Because you've got to remember that these artificial connections, although they might be a good temporary substitute, aren't a real replacement for that heart level innate DNA thrived or driven rather, I should say, need that we have. So it's, it really requires you just to stop and go within for a second, which I know can be foreign and even a scary place. I mean, how often do you really stop and drop into your heart? Literally make that six inch to one foot vertical drop from your head into your heart. Close your eyes, take a deep breath and go there. And who, wh- what are you feeling? This is critical. And We need to do that in order to have true and lasting health and happiness. It's the home of your soul. You know, for example, do a little exercise with me. And hopefully if you're driving, be careful. But you probably know how to drive with one arm. So I'm going to go ahead and invite you to do that as well. But if I asked you to point to yourself who you are, if I said, who are you? Okay. You would most likely what? Look at what your hand's doing. Where is it? Most people, it's right about on their heart center or pointing toward their chest, okay? Because we know innately, as all ancient cultures, the seat of the soul is the heart. The heart is the knower of your truth. The problem is we filter it, right? We disconnect it. We don't like what the heart's saying. We should ourselves to death. We override it due to programming, outside influences, caring what other people think. Oh my God, this is going to be a mess. I got to change my whole damn life if I really did what my heart's calling me to do. All that stuff. Okay. But we know innately that the home of your soul is in the heart and your true, pure, divine self, the part of the God, goddess, ultimate spirit in life, in you resides there. And it's where all your answers are, as well as your wisdom. It's the true source of the universal love in the world and all of life. So I really encourage you to to make it a part of your regular life, to connect with it and watch how your life not only starts to get easier, but more magical and much more fulfilling. So if you find after going within and asking yourself, what is it that I'm looking for? Or what is it that I'm wanting or needing right now? And the answer is that your wanting and feeling of connection with others is what you're actually looking for. I really encourage you to reach out to an actual person in real life or even to get a pet and go outside in nature and rather than just logging into your device. And that just means you got the device open anyway, just call someone. Yeah, God forbid, call them, don't text them. But that's at least better than just, you know, the removed digital connection. Obviously, it'd be best to actually be in physical presence with them, which I'm, uh, which is the message of this episode. But, you know, calling is like, what, second best, right? In that way, you're getting your real needs met rather than, you know, at least on some level. So you can call a friend to say hi, join a group, take a class, go out to eat rather than eating home all the time. So you're around other physical people and you're making that physical eye-to-eye contact in person. Uh, It also might mean that you have to put in a little effort and put yourself out on a limb and reach out to a stranger or invite someone that you don't know very well to maybe get to know them a little bit better which is risky, but you know, no risk, no reward, right? Your soul will thank you, that's for sure. And you know in your heart that that's what you were craving because you will feel so good after doing that. And you feel good inside after doing that because you've actually satisfied and adequately met your needs. That's how you know you've got it right because you feel better, right? So, When we feel good, we have more energy, we're more motivated. It's just a positive ripple effect, which leads to better, more loving choices for ourselves and others, and we can help be of better service to the world. So, extremely powerful. Now, like I'm getting at in the show here today, that love and social connection is actually medicine for you, 
Okay, we have to think of it that way. And the thing is, is when we feel the disconnection and we feel loneliness, not aloneness, but loneliness, it leads to behavior and presents itself oftentimes as disguised as another common illness. In fact, do you know that one of the most common reasons research has shown that people go to a doctor is they feel loneliness. In fact, one in five doctor's appointments are said to be due to loneliness. Isn't that crazy? Not to other conditions like chest pain or I have a cold or any of that, but that's 20%. And now there's actually a term called social prescribing where doctors, particularly in the United Kingdom, are actually prescribing, like with their prescription pad. You know, I want you to make sure you reach out and have two impersonal social contacts, connections this week, or join a group or whatever. So social prescribing to help people overcome the loneliness. And even though we are designed to be feel lonely from time to time, like I mentioned earlier, that it does go in waves. The trouble comes in when we feel chronically lonely and when we feel like it's not our chosen situation. And also the challenge can be that feeling loneliness can be disguised as other illnesses. In fact, feeling lonely as the real epitomology of the, the affliction, if you will, is actually depression, okay? So it comes across, in other words, as being someone who's depressed. So you might go to the doctor because you're depressed or you feel depressed, right? And, or it can, it can present itself as overworking, workaholism, one I know very well. I feel very lonely, so I just, whatever, I'll just distract myself by working more or drinking too much, Okay. So these are all masks for the real underlying cause, which is loneliness. And as I'm going to talk to you about now, there's a, there is really, really strong correlatory research between feeling loneliness and addiction. This is powerful stuff because we know that addiction is not a shame on you socially judged affliction right? It's not a lack of moral character or a lack of discipline. But in fact, feeling lonely chronically and deeply and feeling hopeless and isolated and unaccepted and unsupported can be a driver for addictive behaviors. Because what happens is, let's, let's paint the scenario. You're feeling unsupported, right? It's only me. I got to do it all myself. Nobody really cares about me. It doesn't matter if I live or die, right? Who, who's going to care? You feel hopeless. You feel isolated. That leads to pain. That does not feel good. That is painful. No doubt about it. Well, guess what? Pain seeks relief, okay? So the question is, how do you relieve yourself? And if your only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? You don't have any other resources. What do I do? Well, I don't know, but I remember drinking made me feel better because at least for a little while I could forget about or anesthetize my pain or going on social media, right? Just scrolling through and distracting myself with other people's lives or watching too much TV or like I mentioned, workaholism, right? Pick any of the isms, right? <laughs> Alcoholism, all that, drug use, these are all strongly correlated with feelings of loneliness that started at the beginning. And then what happens is you can develop a physical addiction to something and for lack of another coping mechanism. Okay, so hopefully this show will help open up your awareness as well as your compassion, not only to yourself, but others who might be addicted to something because you know what? Addictions, and I forget who said this, but it was someone quite prominent, that's for sure, that addictions are simply unmet needs, unresolved needs. So trying to get your needs met in an unproductive, destructive way can be 
can result in an addiction. Because again, you don't have any other tools in your toolbox. You don't know any other different way. What do I do to help myself? I don't know. I want to feel better. I'm feeling this way. It's painful. I'm seeking relief. And the only way I know to relieve myself is this. The problem is when the addiction starts producing unwanted behavior or the definition of addiction can be it's a producing the behavior that it was not intended to have. For example, you don't feel that high anymore, right? One drinks become, one drink becomes two drinks, becomes three drinks, becomes feeling foggy in the morning and, and fuzzy and having a fungal infection because of the alcohol or too much sugar. So you get diabetes or you're having sh- blood sugar problems, weight gain, inability to focus, mood disorders. These can all be the manifestations of how these things play out. But the, if we don't get to the original cause, we will never solve the issue. And look how common loneliness is, right? Feeling lonely is 20% of the population. In fact, it can be even higher. But a recent U.S. Census Bureau actually said that 20% of all U.S. households are now listing themselves as single occupancy. And these people... Uh, although the single op- occupancy does not necessarily mean they feel alone, it's just an interesting correlation with the same amount of people in our society are thought to be lonely, feeling lonely. So it's just an interesting how those numbers seem to be the same. Now, again, let me clarify, that does not mean single living single, living alone is correlated with loneliness. No, not at all. Again, it's your subjective evaluation of it. If you choose to, f- to live alone, that can be great. In fact, research has shown that people who live alone are actually more socially engaged they act because they, they probably won't join a gym or they go out to eat more. They engage with people more in life because they know when they go home, they have their quiet time. They have their alone time. Okay. So it's actually kind of a rule reversal there. But I did want to point out that it is kind of interesting that the average population right now in the U.S. is considered to be at least one in five, if not even higher and rising with the pandemic and the mandates of the social distancing or uh, physical distancing, if you will, and feelings of loneliness and isolation, extremely damaging. Again, the the risk factor for feeling alone is as high as obesity and smoking. I just want to reiterate that. That is serious. And, and conventional doctors are just finally now coming online to appreciate this as a risk factor because they're not trained that in medical school, right? Functional doctors and neuro- neuropathic doctors often are aware of it, but conventional medical school has not been educating our doctor system as to the severity and the significance of, of people feeling this way. So thank God it's finally getting respect. Okay, so... I just wanted to share as well that it's interesting because the feeling of being lonely and how that's a driver for uh, behavior change because it's painful, right? That the theory is, is that that has biological roots in that, like all the physical drivers of our being in our humanness, for example, the drive of Hunger, the feelings of hunger, physical hunger in your body, like, wow, my stomach's growling, I feel a little lightheaded, I can't focus. These are all signs of low blood sugar. That drives you to take action and go get food and eat. The physical feeling of needing to go to the bathroom drives you to evacuate your bowels or pee or whatever, right? The physical drive of, you know, your eyes closing and you're exhausted drives you to sleep. Okay, so... Loneliness is theorized as being another one of these physical drivers because it functions to motivate you to seek social connection. Now, this brings up a general concept that all of pain is for purpose. All the pain we experience in life, whether it be physical, emotional, energetic, spiritual, anything, is not in vain. It is there to help you to meet your needs, to achieve what you want in your life and to be all you want to be. It's a motivating force. The problem is we don't listen to it. We don't respect it. 
and we don't take that action to alleviate it in a productive way, that's when pain becomes a big chronic problem and only will snowball for that matter. Because until you solve the issue, you don't solve the problem. Okay. So feeling lonely, which is an uncomfortable, painful feeling, is a social driver to have you go out and seek connection to meet your needs. So it's supposed to be a short-term answer or a short, I should say, a short-term feeling, short-term feeling of loneliness is just for, oh, okay, I didn't realize I've been isolating myself. I'm getting a little introverted. I feel like I don't want to talk to. I'm starting to feel a little sorry for myself. Nobody cares about me. I need a hug, right? All those thoughts are supposed to be drivers to be like, okay, that means I pick up the phone and call a friend. That means I need to join a group. That means I need to just start being a little more friendly when I'm out at Starbucks or Whole Foods or whatever it is and engage in other human beings. That might mean I need to volunteer or just find my people or join a gym or whatever it is. It drives you to take action, which will inevitably alleviate the pain, okay? So the problem is, is when it, these feelings of loneliness become chronic and they, they, as in they're not acute, they're just overall, they're persistent and they don't go away. And that's when it's going to start affecting your physical health. So yeah, it's just really scary to, to think about how, wow, feeling lonely is now equivalent to smoking. That's crazy, crazy statistic. And I will mention too that please keep in mind with all the mandates going on in 2020, 21, 22, that there's a very big difference regardless of what you believe as to what the truth really is. There's a big difference between social distance and physical distance, okay? Now, you can have physical proximity distance, like so many feet, inches, whatever you think is right, between you and another living being and having social distance, right? So we can keep, it's the social connection that we need. It's the heart to heart. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you know, sometimes a temporary substitute can be a Zoom call, a FaceTime video with someone who might be, uh, you know, have comorbidity uh, risk factors in getting a virus of any kind. So yes, we need to keep a little bit of distance between them or they're elderly, you know, and we know now that pretty much 90% of all the people that died with the coronavirus had died either because they're over 65 or they had one in four minimum of comorbidity factors, which is another show. But my point is, is that if we do need to keep that physical distance, there's a big difference between um, doing so but still maintaining socially connected heart to heart. And that's where the digital media comes in. So that's important. Wow. You know, this is important stuff. We, we're covering a lot. So what do we do? You know, what do, what do we do to feel more connected? Well, I've given several examples, uh, ca actually calling someone, reaching out, okay, joining a group, joining a club, and not having the shame and feeling alone. Tell people, I'm feeling lonely. Does anyone want to hang out? Hey, telling your friend, a loved one, I, I feel really lonely. Can we make plans? Can I at least get something on the calendar with you? Um, you know, take the initiative. Give yourself the medicine that you need. That's important. And, uh, you know, I actually had come across in my research that it takes between 9 and 11 human contact points, whether that be touches connections, whatever, per day for a person to feel like a human. How crazy is that? Nine to 11 contact touch points per day for you to feel like a human. Okay. So that can be in any regard. Now that doesn't mean physically being touched, but it means some kind of connection with another human being. And I feel like that can be another reason why the use of the internet and social media is at such an all time high. Cause we're looking for those those nine to 11 touch points artificially. 
And remember, there might be a good substitute. Maybe three out of the nine to 10 might fill that need, but the rest, the majority definitely needs to be actually live in person, flesh to flesh to really get the fulfillment you need at the heart level. Now, hugs is another big one. There's a lot to be said for physical hugs. Okay, physical touch we know is correlated with health and well-being, hands down. I've referenced those famous studies back years ago that studied infants born. And, oh gosh, I don't know how they did this study. It is a little bit heartbreaking, but maybe they didn't really understand what they were doing. But they did show that the little babies that were only having their physical needs met, meaning diaper changed, bottle fed, you know, warm blanket every night, as opposed to those babies that were picked up, held, cooed, hemmed, hawed. You know how I talk to a baby? Oh, cookie, cookie, little boo-boo. <laughs> you know how you talk to a little infant, beautiful child. The difference between those two groups, those that were coddled and held and nurtured and talked to and stroked and kissed and loved and, you know, little nose-to-nose, rubby-rubby and all that stuff, as opposed to those that were just the basic needs met. Those with just the basic needs met, not only did they not thrive, they didn't grow as quickly. They didn't have their neurological connections developing as quickly. They weren't as physically healthy in their biomarkers, but a lot of them died. They died. These babies died. Now, let me just reemphasize, they had their physical needs met, except for the emotional support, the intimacy, the connection, the human contact, so powerful. We know that skin-to-skin contact affects our hormones and our neurotransmitters, our oxytocin levels in our body, which is the hug hormone. Now, if you're single, you're alone, whatever, go get massages. That's what I've done when I've been single. I'll make sure not only for physical reasons that I need to get massages to help my physical body, but to have someone actually touching my body is powerful. And my body needs that at at an energetic and emotional level. This is real medicine, folks. These are real ingredients. So please don't underestimate the need for human touch. And if you don't like massages or you don't have anyone that will physically touch you, holding your hand, stroking your hair, rubbing your arm, putting their hand on your leg, not to mention the physical hugs and the intimacy of sex and all that, which is another issue, of course, at a much higher level and is fabulous. But if you don't have that, at the very least, having physical contact with another human being, and that could just be a platonic hug of a friend or, or hug to a hug, hello and goodbye to a, a roommate or a coworker, but it is necessary for you to feel good and thrive and meet your needs. If you don't feel comfortable with another human being with that, get a pet. Get an animal, something that you have eye-to-eye contact, physical touch. Not only does it help feed them emotionally and physically, but it feeds you. We know biologically it'll affect the oxytocin in your body to have that physical contact with another living being. It doesn't necessarily have to be a human being. That's the good news. There's so many times that Charlotte has saved me, and we know that owning a pet is correlated with much higher health and incidents of lower blood pressure, heart disease, all those things are strongly correlated with owning a pet. And it doesn't have to do with just taking them out for physical walks every day. Yes, that's part of it, but it's that oxytocin, it's that connection of feeling like something else is in your life and loves you. And you you can love back. Not only do we need to receive love and feel love, but do you know that you have a need to give love? You even need to love something. That is a need of your body. It's reciprocal. It's a give and take. And that's a reason why a lot of people love flower arrangements, gardening, creating things, art, producing things, making the home beautiful. Why? Because that's an innate need to show love, energy, create, give to the world. Okay, so love isn't just about, oh boy, I feel so unloved. We also have a need to give it because we know innately it's a two-way street. We need to give and receive. And when we own a pet or care for a garden or give to other people in some way, shape, or form, we are meeting our needs to give and receive love. Extremely powerful. 
So hugs are a very, very powerful other way to meet these needs. And uh, I've also come across in my research that it's not just any type of hug that really does the trick. Did you know that? It's not just a, oh, hey, how are you? You know, you're keeping a kind of a distance and doing the little pat, pat, pat on the small of someone's back or on their shoulder. Yeah, those are cute. Yeah, they're certainly better than nothing. But research has shown, I don't know how they did this, but apparently, you know, there's a golden rule as to how long the hug needs to be to be really effective at the heart and soul level. Yep. Do you know what it is? What's your guess? 20 seconds. Research shows that it takes about 20 seconds of a real hug. Like, you know when someone's hugging you, right? I know you feel the difference when someone just hugs you and they give you that squeeze and they don't let go. They don't let go for a little while. They don't just give you the little superficial, yeah, 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 right? That feeds your soul. That feeds your soul and the hunger that's in you to feel loved and validated and seen, okay? You know, feeling loneliness and alone in a bad way of being alone when you don't want to be drives behaviors. Overeating is often what needs are, are you, what hunger are you needing or wanting to fulfill that you don't know how else to fulfill other than stuffing your face. And we've all done it. So let's explore and be open to other ways to meet these needs that are productive and fulfilling and really work rather than the empty ones of over shopping, overworking, over drinking, medicating for whatever reasons. Get those needs met. Tell people you need something. Don't be ashamed of it. It's, we all feel that way, whether we want to admit it or not. And if we're honest, we might be able to really identify some behaviors in our lives that are meeting our need for connection and meaning and support in ways that really aren't working for us. And maybe we can start exploring some other ways and be brave and put it out there and, and, and reach out to a stranger or make a new friend and hug that person longer than they want you to hug because they're the first one to let go, but you keep squeezing and watch the smiles and the laughter happen, right? So important. So, Wow. Being connected is a basic human need. We all have it. And uh, I hope this has helped to open your mind a little bit for your full fulfillment and happiness and health. Mental fitness is a critical component and ingredient just as important as all the others. And uh, I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode today. I love talking about this topic. You probably can tell by my passion that it's super important. I just feel like it's it's not respected enough in the field of health and wellness, but I think it's changing and it's coming. And now with the pandemic and the situation that's happened with the mandates of 2020, 21, 22, we know now statistically more than ever that the feelings of isolation and loneliness are extremely detrimental and powerful drivers, not only to suicide, but emotional abuse of ourselves and others, as well as addictions. Addictions, and very, very powerful. So knowledge is power if you apply it. Now that you know, live it, apply it, share it with others so we can help people who are looking for help and answers and don't have the tools in their toolbox to know there's more tools than just a hammer. You can try a screwdriver sometime and keep going through that toolbox till you find the tool that gets the job done and the way you want it done. They're out there. We have to help each other. And wow, I feel like I need to take a nap after this one. <laughs> community and support are the prevention and the treatment that we need for a lot of the pain that we feel and for a lot of the feeling of isolated and hopelessness and for us to feel like we don't need to abuse ourselves through these artificial means that social connection 
is essential for the body to be physically and mentally healthy and to reduce the inflammation in our bodies, not to mention the depression in our souls. We are wired for community and connection. We're not wired for wireless devices. (laughs) That's for sure. And I'll just leave you with one more bit of research about just to give you a little bit to sink your teeth into as to the validity of the connection and the relationship between feeling like you're in community and addiction, that uh, there was a famous study back in 1979 by Canadian psychologist Bruce K. Alexander. It's the famous rat heart experiment, which I believe is what it was, rec- it was called, And this study back in 1979, even though it was a while ago, it completely reframed the way drug addiction is regarded in the field of psychology and psychiatry. And what they did was they took two groups of rats, social rats, which that's what they called them. They were the rats that they gave a choice to either be able to drink tap water or to choose to drink a morphine solution, which was basically like just morphine with some water. Okay, nothing fancy. So then they put the rats in solitary confinement in a second group and gave them the same choices. So we had two groups of rats. One group was a group of rats. They were all together in one room and they were given two choices, drink either just tap water or drink water with morphine in it. Then they took another group of rats, and then they isolated those individual rats. Those rats were given the same choices, tap water or morphine and water solution, and saw what happened. The results were the social rats, the rats that were with other rats and considered socialized, guess what? They actually chose the water more than the morphine water solution, but... The isolated rats, the rats that were basically in solitary confinement, which as you know is like the number one way to torture prisoners, by the way, and not not for an unknown reason, the socially isolated rats actually chose the morphine solution more often. Not a surprise, okay? But they chose it not only more often, but nine times more often than just the water. And even more surprising was, get this, this is the best part of the study, that when they changed it up and then took the previously caged rats that were fed only morphine water for 57 days, and when they moved those rats into open social rat contacts, meaning they took the rats that were isolated and only given morphine, and then put them with other rats in a social rat community, those rats then chose the water more than the morphine. These were previously morphine-choosing rats. They put them with other rats. They, they took them out of social isolation, and those rats changed. And when they were given the choice, they chose the plain water. They didn't choose the morphine anymore. How encouraging is that? Isn't that amazing? And you know the reason why they use rats so much in common scientific studies is because biologically they're more alike to us than we actually realized or probably care to admit, but they are quite close to us, even though, I don't know about you, but I don't identify with a rat too much. So, wow, this is just almost breathtaking to me, that uh, the researchers concluded that they couldn't get the social rats to be addicted, but rather the rats were choosing and showed us that they they chose the physical connection as the way to meet their needs rather than the substance. So the takeaway, my friends, are that drugs are not necessarily the cause. It's always what's driving the behavior. What is the need that is driving me to the drug that I'm trying, maybe in vain, to fill? That it's not my fault I have this physical human need. We all have it. The question is, is who has access to the ideal resources and fulfillment sources? Not all of us have wonderful relationships and connections and are gregarious and all these things, whatever. 
So how do we meet those needs that we still have as human beings? And there's no judgment in it. And there's no judgment in feeling addicted because you're trying to meet your needs. God bless, right? But now we know that perhaps a solution to an addiction or a behavior we don't want, overeating, over shopping, whatever it may be, could be including as an ingredient in your life, making sure you have regular connection with other people that mean something to you and you feel loved, seen, heard, validated, and accepted. That's powerful medicine. Powerful medicine. I hope this has helped you because that is my goal as we all strive to help ourselves and to meet our needs and to reduce pain and increase love and joy and fulfillment and connection. I'm here for you. And I thank you so much for listening, for sharing this episode with someone that might need it or, or might want to hear it. And I can't wait to be with you again. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.